0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Real Trailer Life podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how we handle arriving at a campground, the check-in procedure, preparing and setting up our campsite for a safe and fun visit. Welcome to the journey with Real Trailer Life. Wendy and I are two career professionals working our way towards retirement in our Lance 2285 trailer, along with our two Vichlas, Indian Ruby, We are sharing our experiences as we downsize, travel, uh, camping experiences, and life. Hello, Wendy.
1: Well, hello, Patrick.
0: This is going to be an awesome talk about uh, what we do when we arrive at a campground. And of course, uh, we use checklists. We feel that they are critical and make sure that all the I's are dotted and all the T's are crossed.
1: I love checklists. Checklists are great. And you know what? It's almost, it's spring. It is actually spring. So I'm really getting excited to get going this summer.
0: So what we do know is that every location or every campground is different. Uh, every location has different rules, different check-in procedures. Uh, most seem to, uh, are going to a like a no contact check-in process. But these seem to re- be relaxing as uh, we lower the cautions for COVID. And I do a lot of research before we arrive at a location. I have uh, satellite images of the campground to get an idea of the layout of the location. Uh, Some of the campgrounds uh, allow you to reserve a specific site number, but it seems more are wanting to assign sites to the campers upon arrival. And for this reason, it's really important to know the layout of the land. And we highly suggest that you print a campground map. Uh, these are usually available on the campground's website. And you should have it ready so that when you check in, there are no surprises about what site you're going to be assigned to. We prefer to uh, arrive at a location during operation hours. That's uh way we get all of our questions answered and everything uh, seems to go a whole heck of a lot smoother. After our experience last year of driving like nine to 12 hour days, we learned a really great lesson. Don't do it. Yeah. (laughs) It's too long. So something we decided uh, going forward is that uh, we are going to lower our travel times. Ultimately, our max uh, travel day would be a seven hour uh, travel day. Uh, and these are going to be few and far between. Our goal is six hours or 300 miles. So keeping this in mind, you want to make sure that you plan out your day. Uh, We want to make sure that uh, we break camp early enough uh, from the site that we're leaving and allow us to travel to our next location and see sites along the way and arrive early enough for the check-in process. And there's an unwritten rule that they call three and three, and there are many different variations upon this, but no more than 300 miles and arriving before 3 p.m. We use what we describe as the three by three. So, of course, there's going to be situations where you pull into a campsite after hours, and most facilities have a uh, process for this. And if you're going to arrive late, you want to make sure that you let the campground know, and it's extremely important that you do this so that they don't give your site away. So our experience has been uh, that the campgrounds will uh, have your information uh, near the door or the office of the campground, a map there, uh, and the site number that they assign you to. And if you're checking in late, uh, everything is non-negotiable. You're stuck with whatever site that they give you. We personally really dislike traveling in the dark, and more importantly, arriving after dark. These seem to be two things that are just A disaster for uh, arriving at a campsite. It's difficult to find our site. Uh, We're checking in and setting up in the dark, and trying to back up a trail in the dark can be very, very dangerous. So, like I said earlier, we prefer to check in uh, during daylight hours. Uh, So, at check in, we pull into the facility, and the lanes are usually pretty well marked. Uh, We confirm with the staff that our site has the amenities that we booked. Uh, we check with the staff uh, for major campground information. Uh, this would include things like the Wi-Fi password, quiet hours, other campground rules, uh, campground policies, where the dumpsters uh, and bathhouses are located, and so on. Also, don't forget to purchase your uh, firewood at the campground. So many places nowadays do not allow you to bring campfirewood into uh, a campground because of transporting in bugs and all kinds of other issues with bringing uh, wood into a non-native area so this is the fun part Uh, we usually try to book our locations online uh, and see what amenities that they have we personally prefer water sewer and electric uh, away from public facilities like
1: uh, restrooms and showers i don't want to be by those i like to be a little bit away from
0: that we really kind of like the solace of being just away from everything and some of the sites that you check in may be boondocking sites and this is perfectly fine Uh, the main goal here is to know what you are coming into for your experience When I was in the Army, we had what we called the five Ps, proper planning prevents poor performance. Uh, This is critical when you are uh, camping and arriving at a site that you have everything that you want uh, and you're ready for any situation that would occur. So after check-in, we drive to the assigned site and we've already made sure that our walkie-talkies are charged and ready to use. Uh, We use those when we back into a site. Uh, When we get to the site, there's a lot of things that are actually happening. So as we pull up to the site, we stop uh, and we want to make sure that we check that entire campsite out. So we want to be able to get out of the vehicle and uh, inspect the campsite. Uh, We want to look for glass and dog waste or trash and to make sure that uh, all the amenities that we have are there. Uh, Some people will take a blower with them and they can use that for quickly cleaning out the site, assuming you have the room and storage to uh, put a blower in your trailer or your uh, tow vehicle. We look for uh, low hanging branches that could damage your RV and that the entire site is suitable for the RV that you're uh, backing into that site or pulling through that site. We use a watchdog surge protector uh, and I will walk up and I will Connect that to the uh, electrical stack and turn that on, uh, and the watchdog will let me know if anything is funky in the electrical. After making sure that the electrical connection is working fine, I switch all of the breakers off, and this is extremely important because you don't want to have your breakers on when you connect your trailer to the uh, electrical stack. And then Wendy, you have a job.
1: Well, yeah, I scope out like the fresh water supply, I check for the location, I make sure that it works. And I clean the spigot with bleach wipes because we have seen several people use those water spigots for things that aren't not fresh water.
0: Yeah, people will use the spigots to clean out their uh, gray hoses, their black hoses, their sewer hoses. Uh, and we just don't want to have any of that in our water.
1: <laughs> no, we don't. So I just clean those off. sweat so easy. Um, then I go in and turn on the level
0: mate. So the level mate is inside of our trailer and when he clicks that on, and then I make sure that we have a good connection uh, to the level mate with our Bluetooth. Uh, We turn on our walkie talkies and verify that we are connected to each other. And in the event that these do not work, which
1: it can happen, but you know, for whatever reason we still have cell phones or nothing else rolled on your window and communicate that way.
0: And backing in a trailer can be extremely tough. So patience is the key uh, to backing up a trailer. So as I back at the trailer into the spot, Wendy is guiding me constantly, making sure that we are aware of the position uh, of our trailer and any hazards that may be uh, located within our, uh, our campsite.
1: Yeah, and I also make sure that like the hookup locations is close enough so that we can reach it with our connections as well. Like the like, there's room for the slide out to go out and the awning to go out. So you kind of got to go back and forth between sides on our trailer. Make sure that it's getting in the right spot.
0: So once we have the trailer where we want it, we use an Anderson leveling system on the low side, uh, left to right, in order to level the RV using the RV Levelmate Pro. Once we are level left to right, then what we do is we... Uh, Put chocks under the low side of the tire so the trailer won't move once we disconnect the uh, trailer from uh, the tow vehicle. Once uh, we disconnect the trailer from the tow vehicle, we use the tongue jack to uh, level the trailer from back to front. Then once we have completed everything as far as the leveling goes, we lower our stabilizer jacks and this just allows us to to stabilize our vehicle and stabilizer jacks just so everybody knows you should not use these to level your trailer the you need to level your trailer before you drop your stabilizer jacks and this is critically important once this is all completed uh, we use we have dual axles on our trailer and uh, we use what are called x chocks and we place them between the two wheels uh, we tighten those up to make it firm and the extra shocks are also nice because they also help to stabilize the unit uh, when you're walking around uh, the, the, the trailer on the inside. And, you know, there's nothing more annoying than hooking everything up and then realizing that your camper isn't level or that there's a tree in the way that your slide can't go out or your awning can't go out. And then you have to totally reconnect everything up and move your trailer.
1: Or you just deal with it like we had to that one time.
0: Yeah, we dealt with that when we were we in Upper could, Michigan.
1: Yeah, we couldn't put our um, awning out, but it really wasn't a big deal there. But yeah, there it, was It's a, just those are the things you just got to look for and just be ahead of the game.
0: At a site that we stayed at in Upper Michigan, there was a tree that was in the way of the awning. Uh, Wendy's first impression was to
1: cut the tree yeah, branches we can't do that that's we could not
0: do that up, so we ended up. up having to rehook up the uh, trailer
1: no we didn't we just remember we just said eh, whatever we don't need the awning because it was upper michigan and it was fall and wasn't it i mean i don't know You're i think looking that, at me like i'm crazy
0: yeah i think that we actually hooked the trailer back up and we moved the trailer a bit and got yeah. it away from the tree so that we could have the trailer or the awning totally out So the next step is to connect the electrical and you want to make sure again that you're, all your breakers are off uh, connect to the camper uh, connect to the receptacle plug and then go ahead and flip those switches on uh, we look at the watchdog to make sure that all our lights are uh, suitable and that we are good to go as far as electric goes uh, once we have the electrical hookup we will extend the slide uh, and while we're extending the slide Uh, I'm controlling the switch on the inside or Wendy's controlling the switch on the inside and the other of us is actually outside watching the the slide extend so that we make sure that we're not running into problems with our slide as it goes out. Then the next connection that we make is to city water. Uh, You want to make sure that your spigots uh, are uh, clean uh, as we discussed earlier and you want to make sure that all of your Uh, faucets are turned off inside of the camper and then we connect uh, to the city water. One of the things that we highly recommend is that you use a water pressure regulator and this helps to prevent the damage uh, that can happen when connecting to uh, a city water location. The pressures uh, sometimes on those sites can be extremely high and you just don't want to put that high pressure into your system. So we use a water pressure regulator, which we'll uh, make a link into uh, the, show the show notes so that you understand what we are using. So once we have the water pressure hooked up, we hook the hose up, and then we connect it to our water filter. And we use the Clear Two O water filter, and we've discussed this in previous episodes, um, but we want to make sure that we are filtering the water that enters into the RV. When we turn the spigot on, we want to make sure that we take the time in opening all the faucets in the RV. And this includes the sinks, the showers, toilet, outside shower, uh, and including the hot water heater. And this is important because we need to get all of the air out of the lines. And then the last connection that we make is to the sewer hose connection. Uh, We have one connection that is just gray water uh, from our galley sink. And then we have a second connection which covers our second gray tank, and our black water. And you want to make sure that uh, these connections run downhill and away from your RV. Some states require that you use uh, sewer hose uh, elevators or supports that keeps the sewer hose off of the ground that runs to your sewer connection. Now, we keep the valves closed when we are connected to these connections. We only open up the valves when we want to drain the tanks.
1: Then we're ready to empty it, not just open them to have them be open.
0: Yeah, so the problem is if you leave uh, your black tank, especially your black tank, open, uh, you can get what's known as the tree or the pyramid, uh, where the solids accumulate into a pile. And this ultimately could create a huge problem in your black tank. And when it comes to opening up and draining your tanks, uh, we always drain the black tank first. Uh, This is important as uh, when the black tank empties and then you close the black tank off, you use your gray tank to help dispel any of the things that were left in the uh, hose or your uh, sewer line uh, that was caused by the black tank. Then we get to Wendy's funnest part, uh, right. setting up the interior of the uh, camper. The funnest part, he says.
1: Yeah, and just get all your stuff out that you had stored away for travel and start to set up the inside.
0: Yeah, so we sw- we swap the uh, gas uh, to electric on the refrigerator. So if you're boondocking, you want to make sure that your water pump is turned on, uh, assuming that you already had filled your freshwater tank so that you have plenty of water in order to Uh, camp while you are not connected to city water. Wendy likes to plug in our ice maker. Uh, Our portable ice maker is made by Insignia, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes.
1: Yeah, but this puppy, it can pump out to like 26 pounds of ice a day, and I love my ice.
0: Yeah, and the best thing about that is it really helps us uh, save money because... Most campsites charge a lot of money for ice and we can create our own ice using the um the portable ice maker.
1: Yeah, and we just take it the water from the Berkey, so it's all filtered and beautiful.
0: Uh we use a Berkey water filter uh system. Uh if you are interested in filtering your water and making sure that the water that's coming out of coming out of your spigots, even though it might be filtered through our city water filter, we still want to make sure that we put it through the Berkey filter.
1: Just make sure that, you know, when you're ready to open some cupboards, make sure that you go slowly because you want to make sure nothing's falling forward and it'll fly out at you. This includes the refrigerator, any cupboards, closets, medicine cabinet, drawers, et cetera.
0: Which we had happen when we there. actually came from uh, uh, Utah or Arizona to Colorado and we hit the, all those big, huge bumps along the road and our refrigerator was totally rearranged.
1: Yeah, well, the all the little things that keep things in the door like they actually popped out so everything was just discombobulated and so you just had to go slow and we didn't lose anything but yeah that was one of the most terrible roads we've ever been on
0: so then we unpack all of our appliances toiletries uh, get everything ready and then uh, after we do the interior we move to the exterior Now we extend the awning. Uh, We make sure that uh, one side of the awning is always lower than the other side. Uh, This helps with drainage of water should it rain. And then we put out our campsite rug uh, and we stake it down. Now we bought stainless steel 5-inch leg bolts with stainless steel washers. And we use a cordless drill to drive those into the ground. Uh, It's nice because they are pretty much flush to the ground and you don't have to worry about tripping over anything. This uh, might not work, of course, if you're putting your your rug onto a concrete slab. But then you don't really have to worry about uh, securing it to the ground.
1: Well, we have a sea gear mat, and it's um, we have two sizes because some sites you can't really have the big one, and so a large mat might be too large for the sites. We have an eight by eleven, and we also have an eight by twenty. I like it because it prevents a lot of the tracking of sand and dirt into the RV. And especially when you have dogs, it's just, they're pretty sweet.
0: And then we clean off the picnic table. Should there be one there? Uh, We put a tablecloth on it and we use tablecloth clips. Um, And then we also put out our lights and typically we're using some battery operated or rechargeable tea light candles. And we check our fire pit for usability And if you're camping uh, with areas that don't allow campfires, you probably want to have some type of a propane fire pit to use should you still want to have a fire. Then we make sure that we get our camp chairs out. That is most important. And then lastly.
1: Tune on a little bit of music, but not too loud. Don't be rude. And it's martini time.
0: Yeah, and we really love listening to music when we're sitting outside by the campfire or outside of our trailer, even in the morning. We keep the volume low, um, but it's something that we really just enjoy listening to the, to the music. So now we're on to a campground review.
1: weep. RV and campground, located just on the shores of Lake Powell, uh, west of Page, Arizona.
0: Yeah, so we stayed at this campsite last year, uh, and it was a great campsite. Um, Some of the amenities at campsite is they have a coin-operated laundry and shower facilities located at the store. And do you remember going into that store? Yeah, that
1: store was amazing. It was totally stocked with cool clothes, gifts, um, food, um, things that you probably forgot. Or needed, necessary that you know stuff you just might want, but yeah, it was it was beautiful.
0: Yeah, and the staff there were super helpful. It was just a, a great experience. And then the Wawi, uh swim beach is just a walking distance from the campground. If you're interested in swimming in Lake Powell,
1: it was really low. Do you remember when we were out there? The yeah. water level was super low.
0: Yeah, it's a little disturbing because that it, it just keeps going down, and there's no relief in sight for Lake Powell to. Uh, increase their water levels. Yeah, so cross
1: our fingers and hope that improves. But we did have lots of nice hikes with the dogs around that area.
0: We did. And so they had Wi-Fi, and I, as I remember, we had no problems connecting to the Wi-Fi at that campsite. So the site that we had also had a picnic table. Uh, there were fire rings or uh, grills if you wanted to use those. We were there, and it was 113 degrees, so we really didn't do uh, many fires. It's extremely pet-friendly. Uh, they have 139 full hookup sites uh, for both 30 and 50-amp water and septic. And they can accommodate uh, uh, trailers or units up to 45 feet. There are a few sites that allow a 70-foot trailer. And so WAWEEP is located in the Glen Canyon National Recreation Area, so there's no drone flight available or no drone flight allowed in that location. Uh, We used Waweep as a base uh, camp for traveling to several places. We went to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, which is about two hours and 45 minutes away. Uh, Zion, which we avoided last year, was about two hours away. And Bryce Canyon is about two and a half hours away, which is a great experience.
1: Well, and the only reason we avoided Zion was we knew it was packed, packed, packed.
0: And there are so many things to see and experience around Page, Arizona. There's Horseshoe Bend, which I went and photographed, and you stayed home, which was a really good thing because it ended up being a very windy day. And
1: sand was blowing all around, and it would have just ruined my contacts. <laughs> I couldn't have seen anyway. So Yeah,
0: and it was, for me, it was fine. I mean, I was there for three and a half hours, but uh, it was miserable because at some points I felt like I was in a... Uh, um, sandstorm. A sandstorm. But right. do you
1: remember the beautiful pictures that you got from there? I mean, that is that is just one of my favorite pictures that you got.
0: Yeah, that was a, uh, a bucket list item to photograph. And the Antelope Canyon uh, is close to there. When we were there, Antelope Canyon on the Navajo uh, Indian land was closed. Because of th-
1: COVID. So. Right,
0: because of COVID. I think it's reopened. Uh, we visited... Uh, antelope canyon in 2014 and took some amazing photos on a photographic trip that we took and uh, it was one of the epic uh, things that we've done in page arizona and then we also took a hike to the toadstool hoodoos trail in uh, kanab utah
1: yeah and it was kind of like you walk to this place and it, was like, it just felt
0: like like you're on a different planet
1: yeah because these they do look like toadstools and they're they're really cool and we hiked around a long time and some really cool photos there too so
0: and then one thing to remember if you're staying at uh, this campsite is you are on the edge of two time zones and your phones will switch repeatedly (laughs) from time zone to time zone and it was a little confusing it was
1: funny i remember that that was funny all right so recipe share Okay, so we've done dinner meals. We're now going to do a breakfast sandwich. And this is also on the background. It's super easy to make. You can even make them ahead of time and freeze them if you really want to. But they're super easy and super delicious. And they're one of our favorites. So, all right. So what you need, English muffin, any kind. I don't care. Use whatever you like. Uh, We do the sourdough and they're pre-cut. It's one of our favorite. Egg cheese, any kind you want. We use cheddar, but you know, use your favorite and Canadian bacon. You could also use ham, turkey, sausage, bacon, whatever works for you. We cook everything on the blackstone. We cook the eggs. Um, we break the yolk and we use those little egg former thingies. I yeah, they're blackstone
0: they're little round egg for me things that we just set under the blackstone, crack the eggs into those. It contains the egg within that little circle, uh, which makes
1: a perfect size to fit on the English muffin. We grill both sides of those two a little bit, Uh, grill the Canadian bacon on the griddle. Uh, Once everything's cooked, put it together, put the cheese on top, melt it, assemble your sandwich, enjoy. Also, we like to sometimes hash browns or some potatoes on the side, whatever you want. Um, Fruit, fresh fruit, that'd be good too.
0: The other nice thing about these sandwiches is that uh, you can make them and save them. So you can put them into a Ziploc bag or, or wrap them in uh, wax paper or parchment paper and store them so that you can eat them at at, at any time that you want. So on to the photography tip, uh, and today's photography tip is going to be talking about understanding the exposure triangle. And although maybe seem daunting at first. Uh, There are basically three things that are important in the elements of exposure. ISO, aperture, and shutter speed. When you're shooting in manual mode, which is the way that I shoot, I can't remember the last time I put my camera into an automatic mode. Uh, These are extremely important to understand. ISO controls the camera's sensitivity to light, Uh, A low ISO setting means the camera is less sensitive to light and a high ISO means it's more sensitive to light. And the ISO setting of 100 to 200 is usually ideal for shooting outdoors during the day. But when you're shooting in low light situations, such as indoor or at night, a higher ISO of 400 to 800 might be necessary. Aperture is the opening of the lens and it controls the light as it gets through the camera sensor. Uh, The wider the aperture, indicated by a lower f-stop number, lets more light through. While a narrow aperture, indicated by a higher f-stop number, lets less light through. The wider the aperture uh, is great when you want to isolate your subject and blur out the background. But when you want a whole scene in focus, such as a group shot, Uh, you will want to narrow your aperture, and this is really important when you're shooting landscape photos. So shutter speed controls how long the shutter stays open when you take a picture. The longer that the shutter stays open, the more light that reaches the camera sensor. The faster that the shutter speed uh, is set for, the better for freezing action, while a longer shutter speed will blur motion. So learn to shoot your camera in manual mode. Uh, Take the time to grasp and totally understand the exposure triangle. And if your photo doesn't turn out, then you want to just learn how to adjust the settings using the exposure triangle. Once you understand the exposure triangle, you are in control of the photograph and then you become the artist. If you're enjoying Real Trailer Life Podcast, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Real Trailer Life. You can also find us at realtrailerlife.com. And if you want to contact either Wendy or myself, you can email us at us at realtrailerlife.com. And we would love to be able to hear from you.
1: On our next episode, we're going to be discussing traveling with dogs. We have two vishlas, Indy and Ruby, and we've got lots of really cool ideas to make travel with dogs easier.
0: Until next time, safe safe travels. travels. We only open up those valves when our tanks are like two-thirds or three-thirds, three-thirds, three-thirds. <laughs> so one of the things that we highly recommend is that you use a water pressure regulator. <laughs> Take the time to grasp uh, and totally understand the exposure triangle. And if your photo doesn't... Shurn, shurn, shurn.
1: <laughs> sure no. What the f-